Welcome to the Farm Advisory Service podcast. My name is Donald Dunbar and I work for SEC Consulting in the Scottish Borders. Today I am at a farm called Beale Grange in East Lothian and I'm visiting uh, farmer Neil Jeffrey, who is the host farmer for the Soil and Nutrient Network Funds. This is a project funded through the Farm Advisory Service. The point of the project is to look at things that are important in terms of nutrient management for crops and grassland. The project consists of three meetings over a 12-month period. We had our first meeting in October. Our next meeting is going to be in February, and I think we've penciled in the 12th of February as our date. Our final meeting in October 2019. We're sitting in the farmhouse enjoying a cup of tea. Neil, thank you for uh, agreeing to be the host farmer for the Nutrient Network. From, from your point of view, Neil, what would you like to get out of the project? So I feel like the last 10 years or so, my herbal side has not been taking over, it's been doing a bit more than that, but I've never really looked too much into the soil health side of things. And I feel, possibly with the, the press really stressing that that's the most important thing in, in arable farming, feeling that I ought to pay more attention to the soil that I'm working with and perhaps try and improve it, or at least benchmark where I am with with um, you know soil organic matters and health of soil, general health of soil, to see if I, one, do need to improve it or... Um, uh, or the opposite, not make it worse. Um, so I felt like I needed to kind of go back to school a bit on um, soils. Uh, would you like to just give us a little bit of a, an idea of the farming operation here at Beale Grange? Yep, sure. So Beale Grange here is our, at the base of our operations. We have about 300 hectares of arable down here. It's all in a combinable crop rotation, mostly due to soil type and uh, climate. So we're about 60 metres above sea level, we have about 600 mils of annual rain, which really suits cereals and uh, combinable crops. The rotation at Beale Grange is um, winter barley, oilseed rape, and then three wheat, all autumn cropping. The soil type is a sandy clay loam, Beale series uh, clay loam. Series, yes. That's kind of the arable side of our business. We also have a, a suckler cow herd, and we have a hill farm at Weatherley. <laughs> which is uh, about nine miles away up in the Lammermuir Hills. So that side is 250 Aberdeen Angus cross suckler cows and all the followers and finishing cattle from that system. The hill farm is really our summer grazing for our herd. Everything is housed at Beale Grange over the winter, which the arable side provides all the straw and the concentrate diet for. So with the, with the cattle being housed at Beale Grange, you're going to get the benefit of that mark. Yep, yep. And it's all... Um, uh, straw and as I say, straw and concentrate based farmyard manure down here, uh, and all the all the muck is spread on our arable ground. None of it goes back onto the grassland. So, so no grass rotation down at Beale Green. No, uh, you have the benefit of the muck. Is there any other mucks that you? Uh, yes, um, I'm lucky enough to be next door to a pig farm, and we use pig slurry on our permanent pasture down at Beale Grange, which um, isn't really in the arable rotation, and we fertilise that with pig slurry, and we are also using. Pig slurry on a, a couple of arable fields that are next door to the pig farm. They receive an umbilical application of pig slurry to the growing crop. So that's that's kind of where we're getting our organic. That's the sources of our organic manures. So we had our first meeting back in October. In advance of that meeting, we did some sampling of some of the arable fields. We also did some GPS sampling, grid sampling for pH on a quarter hectare grid. This then uh, produced uh, a map showing uh, the pH variation across the field 
to which we were then able to variably apply line to try and remove that variation from the field. So yeah, this is something that um, I've obviously been aware of in the last 10 to 15 years, but I've never uh, taken the plunge into GPS sampling for for a number of reasons. Yeah, this is the first year that, that we've done this um, and we picked uh, probably a more difficult field or a field I expected to see a bigger variation in, uh, which is the North Grange Muir field. We have, we have that map in front of us now with uh, showing the results. Uh, and what we have is a, a range of pHs from uh, a very a good 6.3 down to 5.3, which I, I guess you might have been a bit surprised. Uh, yes, I, would, I didn't expect anything as low as 5.3 in, in our arable fields. We do a lot of liming. So we regularly lime every four or five years on the arable ground, and we've just done a, a, a traditional W grid, taken a, a group sample from the field. And um, you know, applied line to bring bring up to the target six point two, six point three. So I'm quite happy to see a few of the areas at, at that level. But um, this this field was due an application. I would have said this year under the the traditional system. But I'm kind of shocked to see what's that about two hectares of the field. Uh, once, yeah, we've got one point seven four hectares below five point five. Yeah, and. The point that we, we tried to make was when you get a pH below 5.5, it really does impact yield. It's impacting yield above 5.5. But when you get down to those levels, you get you know iron and aluminium becoming soluble in the soil and it interferes with the, you know, with the plant's metabolism. At 1.74 hectares below, you're experiencing 30% yield loss in winter wheat and potentially a 50% yield loss in winter barley at those kind of levels. And the reason we know that is from the research work that SEC has done at uh, Aberdeen, uh, the Woodlands Field Project, which is continuing, has been happening for many years and continues, where they have different pHs and they're, they're growing in a rotation on uh, those plots. And that's where that data came from. Being able to target those areas and, and lift the pH of all those areas in the field that are below is, is a really worthwhile thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the... The conventional W pattern would have turned out effectively an average pH of 6.1, which you would have said would have been at two tons. It, 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 would, been, it would have been something like 0.8 of a ton of hectare. Yes, a ton of hectare. It would be a, a very uh, low level. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that 6.1 result, uh, that, that was taken from a W pattern in 2017. Grid sampling that we did this year came up with an average pH of 5.8. So it, it just shows that with that W pattern, whilst it is still a useful way to get a baseline for where the field is, it is just subject to that variation of, of where you walked in the field. That was one of the, the, the topics that we did at the meeting. And it's about being able to be targeted with your inputs and uh, try and remove variation in the field and, and lift the average. We did quite a lot of soil sampling. Well, you, you, you do routine W pattern soil sampling each year. And I've got some of the results all pooled together. So we looked at our organic matters, which is maybe something you haven't really done before, to see where they are. And it's good to get a benchmark of where your fields are. So what do we have? Well, we've got one up there at 9.7, and uh, we're down to 4.34. So we've got grassland fields. So that be, is that permanent pasture, uh, East Briggs? Uh, yes, that is. Yeah. That's so, grass. so because of that. Uh, continuous grass, we've got higher organic matter level there. But a lot of the arable fields, they seem to be in the, in the five, six 
kind of area. Yeah, I'm I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, no, um, uh, clay loam soil, continual cropping. Yeah, you know that is quite common. I, w- I would say for for those levels, and whilst it's always great to see them up higher, uh, that's not bad. We do have one though there at uh, four point three. Uh, yes, that's a, a lighter soil. That's much more of a sandy loam. Um, the fields actually effectively the the floodplain of a small river so it's a a gravelly type stony gravelly sandy type soil and it's also a smaller field that's quite inconvenient to spread manure on so it's maybe skipped the uh the routine application of manure for the last few years anyway um so i I completely see why that organic matters at that level maybe a few years of grass for that one well, it's yeah, it's a potential. Um, it's opposite another grass field, so it might be worthwhile putting in something, or just permanent grass, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. So. Um, sulfur was something else we looked at, and and we did get quite a range of results there as well. We had some good levels from a status would be considered a high level, um, but we had the full range right down to ones uh, in the low status. So sulfur is important for utilisation of nitrogen. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in that low low category for quite a few fields. Yeah, I, I would say <clears throat> this is probably a, you can see the result of practice. Obviously, the, there's less um, industry in our local area um, than there was in the last 100 years. So um, you're, gonna, you're getting less contribution from rainfall and things. The higher results that you're seeing are actually fields that were bought in. They've been under a different management for the last probably 100 years. And the, the lower ones are our are, are arable fields. It's something that we possibly should be doing more of. Mm-hmm. I think, I think um, outside the project last year, this first year we tested for sulphur and we started using more nitrogen sulphur um, on cereals. We've always used sulphur product on obviously grape, but we've never kind of put the, the standard 40 kilos a hectare of, of SO3 on wheat, which is, you know, probably... Standard recommendation now, is it? it yes, it uh, it would be for for soils that are in a, in a low status. Yeah, certainly. So the, an insurance application in with your uh, first application of nitrogen in the spring is 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 a way of of, of just yeah. combating. It. I mean, the reason I hadn't really worried about sulphur in the past is I, I'd seen sort of trial work suggesting that mixed farming arable situations where there's regular organic matter going back on there wasn't a, a, a yield response as such to, to a sulfur nitrogen application, which is why I've, I've kind of been reluctant to do sulfur. But if that is my kind of belief, then I almost certainly should be putting nitrogen sulfur on the fields that are at the, at the other end of the rotation. So don't worry about the fields that are getting the organic manure within two or three years of the application and, and start targeting sulfur, uh, inorganic sulfur fertilizer for years three, four and five of the rotation. Yeah, sulphur, it gets leached out of the soil. And, and so deficiency is more commonly found in lighter soils, yeah. which, you, which you are not. And the, and the fact that you have your organic manures from your, your cattle and your, and your slurry, it, I was slightly surprised to see the, the levels were down at the, at the lower end. But as part of the project, I think it would be interesting during the growing season actually to do some of the tissue analysis uh, and, and just see how that see how that comes back, see if the crop is actually short, because, you know, you can get the situation where the sulphur maybe is low, you expect to see a deficiency, but you don't actually get it in the crop. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that would be something well, interesting to follow up on. I've got sulphur fertiliser, sulphur nitrogen bought, so we can use that. We can we can try something in a 
do your, do a field and don't do a field and do tissue samples and both. Yeah. Uh, a similar point in the rotation. Yeah, no, that would be interesting. One of the other tests that we did on some of the grassland fields was cobalt. They came back as, as low and I think very low. That was something you weren't aware of either. Cobalt is uh, required uh, by the animal to make vitamin B12. You know, from a livestock point of view, you know, that's maybe a, a useful bit of uh, intelligence to have. Yeah, um, I suppose we've, the last three years, we've been using an ultrace element bolus that, um, that you stick into the, the cow pre-calving and you kind of hope, hope it lasts the year. But in reality, you've no idea whether the uptake of that um, bolus is, is effective or not. So trying to do something on the actual grazing ground is certainly worth worth a look. It's perhaps more of an issue with uh, sheep uh, and lambs, uh, particularly around weaning time. You get uh, They just seem to you know stall and, uh, and, and don't do, and cobalt can often be the reason for that. Uh, so from a cattle point of view, maybe, you, you know, you haven't seen it, um, you're probably uh, covered by, by the bolus that you're using, and it's maybe just not such an issue. So we, we did mention uh, future meetings, and one, one of the things that we have uh, lined up for our meeting in, in February is a farmer speaker about YEN, and YEN stands for the Yield Enhancement Network. Uh, as part of the project, you have uh, actually volunteered yourself to uh, go into the yen wheat competition uh, for this coming season. Yeah, no, um, I thought that would be quite a, a useful th- thing to do in the project. The yen competition basically gives you a, a potential yield. Yeah, I think potential yield. yield your, they, they take a, they do an assessment on yes, your soil, your soil type area. Uh, what your potential yield is, and it and it scores you effectively on how well you reach your potential, which is it's it's kind of a lot obviously fairer than just saying right who can grow the biggest crop of wheat in the UK. Um, so it actually scores you effectively on your um, perhaps efficiency, but achieving the potential that you've been set, which I think that's 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 fair. Yeah, I'm I'm quite happy to to enter the competition and um, use the people people coming to the meeting to. To give us ideas as to how we're going to try and achieve this this potential that will be given. I think we've got a couple of people in the group who have entered the yen uh, competition in the past. So it'll be useful to learn from their experience. But we're actually going to bring in a speaker, a farmer who's done very well in the competition. Uh, but he he has used the the yen project to progress his whole farm. This project, I suppose, is trying to improve everything on our farm. Prove prove it to to achieving that potential yield more consistently. One of the other speakers we have coming along at our next meeting in February is uh, <clears throat> Ian Bingham, uh, who's with SEC. He's on the research side of SEC, and Ian's been doing work on nitrogen use. And uh, we have Audrey Litterick from Earthcare Technical. And Audrey has done a lot of work with compost, and digestate, past 100 materials, and there's quite a few of those available in the area. There's there's green waste, there's poultry manure, there's mushroom compost and uh, gypsum, uh, to, to name but a few. So it'll be interesting to uh, just get some input from Audrey. So what we're going to do now, uh, on a follow-on from the project, uh, we, we identified a, a couple of fields to do the soil health check in. Uh, uh, we are, we've already done the analysis but what we're going to go and do is take a dig and, and look at the, the structure and, and also do some worm counts and see 
worm activity we've got in the field. So we're out in the North Grange Muir now. So for doing the soil health check, I'm going to dig a little bit of a trench uh, with my spade and, and then we're going to excavate a section of soil 20 by 20. Uh, I've marked on my spade uh, just to, you know the 20 centimetres so I get my depth. I need to go one and a half widths wide. So I'll just put that soil off to the side. So I've got my block ready to take out the ground. And what I'm going to dump it on is a fertiliser bag just so I can keep everything together when I can uh, remove that lump of soil. So now we're going to just gradually break our way through this soil and see how many worms we can find. So it's not, I mean, it's been quite a mild November. Uh, on the day, Brian was suggesting that the worms kind of dig deeper for the winter. Is that correct? Is that right? Yeah, as, uh, as temperatures drop, the worms will go lower. Equally, if the soil gets drier, the worms will go deeper too. So the best time for doing the test is when the soil is moist, but also probably after uh, the crop has been removed or, or, or in the spring before you start to apply fertilizers and, and, and before the soil starts to possibly dry out. So we're looking at uh, September, October, November, probably February, March as being good times to, to do the test. How are you finding? Are you finding worms? I'm finding no worms at all. Which is, uh, we're in the headland of the field. I don't know if that um, okay. makes a difference with it being much more of a trafficked. This is quite compacted. It's quite compacted on the end. Of, you but, know, but I mean, that's maybe a, wise, you know, that's maybe why there's no worms. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So for the visual examination of soft structure, I'm just going to take an, another slice of soil through the profile and I'm just placing that soil down on the ground and then I want to see how easily it breaks up. I'm just giving it a little bit of a, a tease apart so the top four inches or so is falls apart quite readily. It's quite a crumb structure and then we get a little bit lower down probably in between four inches, six inches. The soil is pressed together and it's breaking apart horizontally as opposed to vertically and that demonstrates that there's been a bit of pressure from above that's pushed the layers together. So in terms of giving it scoring from a visual assessment, the top four inches where the power harrow has gone through and cultivated, it's, uh, it's probably a two. And then as we get further down, we're probably looking at three uh, and maybe into four. So there is a little bit of compaction. So um, it's one good and five bad. How, how's this? How's your scale working? Uh, so one is good, and and five is, is, poor. is poor. You know, one, two in the top layer, and then it, and then it's slightly poorer as we get further down. So we are uh, on on the end rig, and uh, where there's certainly more trafficking uh, occurs. Let's have a look further into the field. So are we through that? That's a grand total then. So we're 12, 12 worms, uh, mostly red, and uh, I think there's about four, four green ones there. And is this, so we've got, we've got very small ones and, and slightly larger red ones. Is, 
So we've got that, yeah. is that age? That's yeah. going to be. It, it is. It reflects age. Yeah, so we've got a lot of juvenile worms there. And in our previous dig, we we tended to have larger, um, more mature adult worms. So I'm just going to take a slice out of the structure and see how this breaks up. So we've got a vertical uh, break through the soil there. We'll just give it a bit of a dunt and see how it wants to break up. Again, we've got this top upper layer that breaks apart easier. Crumb structure, it's small rounded aggregates as opposed to flat faced hard aggregates. Nice big juicy worm there too. And then slightly deeper in the soil, about six inches. It's a little bit more compressed, but it still breaks up just with one hand squeezing it, the clod breaks up. So in terms of comparing that with the structure on the, the end rig, I'll be giving the, the top layer of this uh, again a sort of one, two, and then as you go down into the bottom layer, it's probably a three, two, three. So a better structure within the field than on the end rig. And that's what you'd expect to find, but it's good to go into the field with your spade and have a dig. The more you go and dig, the more variation you start to pick out. You can tell where you've got problems and, and at what depth the problem is. Is it compaction in, in the upper layer or, or is it deeper down? So when, if you're thinking about how to mitigate a problem uh, with the soil structure, you need to know what depth you need to be working at. So that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, and thank you to Neil uh, for hosting us today uh, and for hosting the Soil Nutrient Network project. If you'd like more information on the project, you can find that on the FAS website, which is www.faz.scot. And if you go to the drop-down menu, you can go to Publications, where you'll find uh, a range of technical notes. Or you can go to the Crop and Soils menu, the Soil section and you'll get information about all of the Nutrient Network farms across Scotland. Thank you for listening.